We're going to continue on with our discussion on identity this morning. Last week, we talked about the identity of God being a God who is holy, who is the holy God. He is big and he is massive and he is righteous and our minds truly cannot fathom the holiness of God. And it's awesome to think that in this moment now, like we talked about last week, that there are angels encircling God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It never stops. He is so holy and he is so big. But, but as we ended last week, we're gonna, we're gonna pick up this week. And it was by reading Isaiah 57, verse 15, that says this, for this is what the high and exalted one says. So this is what God says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. He says this, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And here's why God is so beautiful and so amazing, y'all. Because he is so holy and so awesome, he doesn't hold that over our heads, right? And say, I'm holy and you're not. And I'm holy and I'm up here in heaven and I sit on the throne of heaven and you don't. Like, by the way, so many other religions do and other false gods do that say, I am here and here's what you must do. You must do X, Y, and Z, to try and live up to my holiness and try and maybe to get into my approval, right? God doesn't do that. In his holiness, he comes down and he lives with us and he is a part of us and his, his love is shown in his holiness by how he is still amongst us, despite ourselves. He's so holy, but he is also so with us in everything that we do. And today I want to talk about a different aspect of God, but that is so huge. And I believe it is something that is so timely for this week. And, and I have to say, I, I benefit from the uh, ability to sermon prep all week. You know, I really do. Because I get to be reminded of what I'm going to preach on on Sunday and get to live that out in real time. And praise God that I was able to do that this week. Any, anyone else have a hard week this week? A little difficult? Just like five of us. All right, praise God. Can, let everybody else, y'all just come up here and preach. Show us how it's done. It was a hard week this week. It was a really hard week. But as I was prepping for this sermon, I was reminded over and over that God is good. God is good. And if we can walk in that truth and walk in that understanding, the way that we pray changes, the way that we worship changes, the way that we just live our day to day, the way that we watch the news changes and everything else because we are living in the truth, we are living in the fact, y'all, that God is good. He is good. Despite what the world might say, despite what you might even think in this moment, God is good. He is a good God, and the psalmist says in, in, in Psalm 119, verse 68, you are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. And I love that last part. Teach me your decrees, God. And a lot of times, we actually, we gotta check ourselves on this. But there are times when we try and teach God our decrees of what is good, don't we? Uh, like, I mean, if, have you heard this before? Well, I just don't know how God can be good and allow this. I just don't know how God can be loving and good by, and I see this, right? And so what we are doing is we're trying to tell God, no, you're not good because what I see isn't good and therefore you don't know what is good, but I do. And so we are trying to teach God what is good. 
Listen, y'all, can we point to anything in the history of mankind that man did that turns out and stays good? No, it always falls in on itself because we're dumb and we're not good. At our core, we are not good. But we get it so backwards sometimes and think that God isn't good, so we have to correct him. And what David is saying here, he's saying, teach me what is good, God, because I don't know, and you are good. So teach me, God. Teach me what is good. Fill my heart with what is good. Fill my mouth with what is good. Fill my mind with what is good, because goodness flows from you, not me to you. God is good. And, he sa- and I love this differentiation that he makes here. He says, you are good and what you do is good. You get that? It's, it's as if he's saying God is good. Like that is, that is who he is. There is no goodness without God. Goodness flows out of God. He is the source. He's like a spring that brings forth the water of goodness. And so if we take God out of the equation, goodness ceases to exist. So not only is he good, but then the things that he, that he does are good as well. You are good and what you do is good. Teach me, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Teach me what is good. I love that. I want to look at a story this morning that, that asks a very important question. And I want us to ask this same question to ourselves this morning. And I want us to be very honest with ourselves as we do. And that's out of Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. It's the story of the rich young ruler. It says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. I just want to stop right there. And I want to ask you this question this morning. Why do you, you call Jesus good? Not us as a church, but where you are at in your life right now. Why do you call Jesus good? Because we can sit here in church on Sunday mornings. Oh, preach brother. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. But everything that comes out of our mouth, our entire countenance, all of our attitude is the complete opposite. We speak venom over other people and over our lives. And you would think on the outside that there's no way this person thinks that God is good. And I just want to say really quick, if that's you, shut your mouth. I'm serious. Stop it. Stop talking about things in the opposite of the truth that God is good. Listen to yourself. Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth, over your marriage, over your job, over your children, over this country, in this world. God is good. Stop talking as if he's not. He is. He is good. And so why? Why is he good to you? No Sunday school answers. Well, he died on, that's great. He did all those things. But right now, where you are at, why really is he good? That's what Jesus asked this rich young ruler. And then he goes on to say this, no one is good except God alone. I'm gonna say that again. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loved him. 
He said, one thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, what's interesting in this story that I really just kind of, kind of zeroed in on this week was the promise that Jesus says to this young man. He says, go and sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Here's how I know that we really don't understand God's goodness. Because we like to trade heavenly riches for earthly riches. We would rather have earthly riches than heavenly riches. Earthly riches are more appealing to us than heavenly riches. And so we sacrifice whatever it might be in our life to attain earthly riches, and we, and we let go of the heavenly riches. Listen, we don't know what goodness is if we're doing that. We don't, and Father, forgive us, forgive me. That is, listen, I'll be real honest with y'all, that's something that I struggle with. I want that new fancy car, right? When I'm at the stoplight in that Chevy Silverado, pulls up next and I'm like, I want that, right? I'm just being honest with you. There's moments when I have that and I want that earthly, I want that so bad and I forget about what is waiting, the, the heavenly riches that God wants to bestow on us. And this guy, it says that he walks away sad. He walked away sad. He had all the earthly riches, but he's still sad. And it says, Jesus get, tells him why. Because you lack one thing. What is that one thing? It's Jesus. He's done all the religion. He's done all the commandments. I have not done this, I've done this, I've not done this, I've done that. Check, 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 check. Or at least so he thinks, right? But in his mind, he's done all those things. He's attained all the wealth, the earthly riches. He's got them. Jesus says, you still lack one thing. That will help you understand why I am good. He doesn't understand God's goodness because he doesn't have Jesus. We can sit here and come to church and do all the religious stuff till the cows come home. We can retain and attain all of the earthly riches in the world and we will still walk away sad because we lack the very most important thing and that is Jesus who is God's goodness. And if we're, if we're living out this life and this faith and this, with Jesus and, and we've lost that, goodness of God, chances are is because we have shifted our focus and our heart and our attention either to the riches of the world or to ourselves to try and fulfill it. We're trying to attain God's goodness by doing it all ourselves. We're trying to attain God's goodness and his heavenly riches by attaining earthly riches. And we walk away sad every time. I would, I would go so far as to say we're walking around confused and maybe even angry as well. So let's stop for a second. Let's take 20 or 30 seconds. I asked you the question. I want you to, if you, if you have your phone out, I know I don't, I don't say this a lot. If you have your phone out or a notepad or something, answer the question for yourself. Why is Jesus good for you right now? I'm serious, go ahead. Take, take a second. Right now, right where we're at. Why is Jesus good? Why do you call him good?
And let's dwell on that. Let's let that be our testimony. Job chapter 1, starting in verse 13, says this. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older, oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Y'all, life is hard. Life is very hard, but God is good. God's goodness is not circumstantial. It's not about how good of a day you're having, what your hair looks like on this day, right? What the weather's like on Sunday morning, what's going on in the world or in the news. God is good. But Job isn't able to make that determination and fall on his face and worship God in, in, the, in, in the midst of a tidal wave of tragedy where he has lost everything. He's not able to worship the Lord in that moment just because he decided right then and there that God is good. This has been something that he has been, that has built in his life up until this point. There is a foundation of an understanding that God is good so that when this tidal wave of tragedy hits him, he's able to fall on his face and worship. We can't just decide in a moment that God is good. It will knock us over. We will leave walking away sad. The difference of these two stories is amazing. Job has it all. Oh, he's wealthy. He, he's actually in this story on, on the brink of retirement where he can kick his feet up, turn the family business over to his kids and life is gonna be great. And in a moment, he loses it all. And in his grief, he worships the Lord. The rich young ruler has it all. Jesus is in front of him, but he lacks Jesus. So he walks away sad, keeping what he has. One understands the goodness of God. The other one doesn't. That's the difference in the two. Life is hard, y'all, but God is good. And here's why, as I was, I was contemplating this all week, like, why, what, like, what, what's that thing? What, what's the one thing that we can hold to that, that, that we can understand? Like we, we need help understanding this. We do. And what, what it all boiled down to, to me, what I understood it to be was this fact, that God is good because he is a generous God. God is so generous with what he has. And what does he have? everything. He has everything. 
And if you just go back to the very beginning, the very onset of all of this, Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created, right? There is God and there is nothing else. And he said, out of my resources, out of my creativity, out of everything that I am, I am now going to give. I'm gonna give and I'm gonna create. I'm gonna give you a home on earth. I'm gonna give you a home in heaven. And I'm gonna give and I'm gonna give and I'm gonna give. God is good because he is generous. When the Bible talks about how he'll meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches, he's not talking about things of this earth. He's talking about the things that we need in our core of being God's children, of being human beings. He gives his mercy, he gives his grace, he gives us relationship, he gives us community, he gives us his love. He gives those things that are immeasurable, the things that bring us peace in the storm, not the things that wither, not the, not the new car, knowing that the new car smell is gonna fade. He gives us the real things, the heavenly things. And if I can just touch on a few verses this morning, and I say just a few because otherwise we would be here all day if we covered them all, that speak on God's generosity. Psalms 127, verse two. For so he gives his beloved sleep. God gives us rest, y'all. He gives us rest, which we're gonna be talking about later on in this series. 2 Timothy 1, verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he gives us power and of love and of a sound mind. He doesn't give us fear. He gives us power and love and a sound mind. That's the God that we serve. And here, here's what, what I think is so amazing. As we walk in the truth that God is good, that spirit of fear shrinks away. If we just say over, God, you are good. You are good, your works are good, your works are perfect, you are righteous, you are a good God. Then those things that we're walking through in fear, that fear goes away and our trust in the Lord increases. Matthew seven, verse 11, if, then, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Listen, I like to pride myself on being a pretty good gift giver. I mean, you can ask, you can ask Jesse. Like, I mean, I, I put some thought into it and it's hard with her because her birthday is two days after Christmas. So it's like a quick turnover. All right. I don't have like six months to hit the reset button and really, like, really I was like, I gotta go. It's like all at once. But she's also a genius, by the way, because Jesse is the best person to give a gift to because her reactions are amazing. Like, ah, it could be like, a, it could be a used plastic fork. And she's like, thank you. I needed something to eat my lunch with. And she's just, so you want to give her things, right? But I, I try and put thought into it as best I can. But what, what God is saying here is the best gift giver that there is, is nothing compared to the gifts that I give. So God prides himself on being a generous God and he's good at it. I love that he's good at giving gifts. Anyone know anyone that's just like amazing at giving gifts? Like it's kind of almost annoying, you know, like, oh, they're just, what, how, am I, how am I supposed to match that, you know? That's the Lord. He gives such good gifts, but we, he never expects us to match it. He never expects, expects us to say, well, how are you gonna top that? That was really good. You better give me something good in return. That's not his motivation. He just does it because he loves us because he is a generous God. 
Proverbs 3, 34, surely he scorns the scornful, he but gives grace to the humble. God gives us grace. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57, the, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory, y'all. God gives us victory. And someone needs to hear that this morning. God gives us victory. You're trying to get victory on your own. You're striving for it yourself and you're not looking to the Lord, but victory comes through God. And lastly, there's this one. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Let's just stop there. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's solution, y'all think about this for a second. God's solution to sin and death and eternity and hell was to give. So I'm gonna be generous. And this is not a rental. This is not on a lease. I am giving my son to you. God is good because he doesn't withhold the very thing that he loves the most in Jesus. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives and he gives over and over. And there are some of us in the world that try and say that God's not good. Are you kidding me? He's amazing. He's amazing. His mercies are new every morning. We can go to him as we receive Jesus and we receive that gift of his son, we can go to him over and over and confess our sins and we are made new every day because he showers us with his mercies. He showers us with his love. He showers us with his grace and his patience and his forgiveness because he's generous in what he has because he's a good God. He is so good. 1 John 3, 1 or, uh, says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That word lavished, it means to bestow something in generous, I like this, or extravagant quantities. God wants us to drink from the fire hose of his generosity. He just, he just, pouring out more. It's not enough. It's not enough. I want to give him more. I want to love him more. I want to pour more mercy on him and more love on him. I want to protect him more. I want to provide more for him, more, more. And it doesn't run out. His resources never run dry. All he wants to do is give and give and give and give as a holy God who sits on his throne in perfection in heaven and us down here, a mess of a people. He's saying, I just want to give. I want to give to y'all because I love you because I'm a good God. And so whatever you're walking through, are you lacking that one thing? Are you worried so much about the religion and, and the things of this world, trying to figure it out yourself that God, Jesus is saying, hello, hello, I'm right here. And I know life is hard, but I'm going to walk through it with you, because though I am holy, I am also good. And I'm also gonna give you strength, and I'm gonna give you a place to hide, 
and I'm going to protect you because I'm a generous God and I want to lavish my goodness on you. I want to lavish the things of me on you because we're his children. We just had Christmas not too long ago and you, it's awesome to give your kids things. It's fun. I would hate it if on Christmas morning my daughters came downstairs and saw what we had under the tree for them and said, no, I, I think I'm just going to go try and get my own stuff. Thanks, though. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's not how this whole thing works. I got you this stuff. I want to see you open it. And I want you to tell me thank you. <laughs> and if you love me more because of it, that's okay too. <laughs> but they would, it would make no sense for them to go and say, no, no, you keep that for you. Here's the thing. I don't have any use for a pink remote control car right now. Right. <laughs> I, that's something that's for you to use and have fun with. And when God gives us these things, look, God gives us forgiveness. He doesn't have any use for forgiveness for himself. He's perfect and he's holy. So how about we go ahead and take it and use it? The same with his grace and his mercy over us. Let's not leave it under the tree and rob the Lord, y'all, of, of enjoying us living in the riches that he bestows on us and lavishes on us as our good, good father. Let's receive it. Let's receive his generosity and not feel bad about it either for crying out loud. Y'all, he's good. Has life been hard for you lately? Has life been a struggle lately? You need to be reminded this morning that God is good. And there's all sorts of things that he wants to pour out on you because he's a generous God. Stop living it out on your own. Certainly stop speaking against the truth that God is good. And let's receive what he has for us and whatever you are walking through. We're going to have the band come up. I want to take communion this morning. I think it's just absolutely appropriate to do so with what we're talking about. Understanding that God gives and he gives and he gives and he just keeps on giving more and more and more. And I want to read these two verses to you as we prepare for communion. Romans 6, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. What we have earned is death. That's what the result of sin is. It's why Jesus had to die, because there had to be a penalty of death for sin. So our sin earns us death, but the gift of God, the generosity of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The second that we turn to Jesus and we receive him and accept him as our savior, we received the generosity of God's gift of Jesus Christ, his son, that says, I love you and you no longer have to lack this one thing. You no longer have to try and do it all on your own. I've given you the gift of my son. When we receive Jesus, we receive eternal life and we escape the penalty of death because God 
gave because he is generous and because he is good. Let's look at the difference of the two choices that we have here in our life that Jesus himself says in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The enemy wants to take, he wants to steal, he wants to rob from us, he wants to kill us, and he wants to destroy us. That is what the enemy is trying to do in our lives. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and says, no, 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 I came to give. I came to give a full, a satisfying, a rich life. So those are the two, y'all. Isn't that amazing? That God in his holiness, sending Jesus down, tells us, no, 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 I want to give. I want to give. It's, it's sad that people are so reluctant to follow after Jesus because they think that Jesus is just gonna make them, is just gonna take away everything of who they are in their life and what they enjoy and all these things, what they do. And it, the Bible is so contradictory to that when all it says over and over and over is that God gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. And I don't know about y'all, but that's what I want. I wanna receive from the creator of heaven and earth who is generous with so many things. And if you're sitting in this room right now and you think that you are not worthy enough, that you uh, don't deserve the generosity of God, let me tell you something, you do. If you're watching at home this morning, wherever you're at, if you don't think because of whatever you did or whatever someone else has told you that you don't deserve God's generosity, you do. Anything else is a lie. God gave for you. He gave for the world. He gave for everyone. And he continues to give, and he continues to give, and he continues to give. So I just wanna take a moment, and just go back to that question. Why do you call me good? For those of us that have received Jesus as our savior, we need to go back to those things. Maybe in this moment right now, just dwell on that. Why is God good in your life? We need to get back to it. I think some of us have lost that truth. Why is he good? And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been the person that maybe has tried it all on your own with Jesus staring right in your eyes, right in front of you, saying, here I am. You've lacked that one thing. This is your chance. God so loved you. He loved you that he gave Jesus for you, not the person next to you, you. Just take a moment in this space. All you have to do, the Bible says, is if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So let's take this opportunity. Just stop. I just say, Lord, I believe. I believe. Let's take this moment to do that. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are a generous God in your holiness and your power and your might. You are also so generous to us, Lord. Who are we that you are mindful of us? That you walk with us. That you don't leave us. You don't forsake us, God. But you're with us in all of it. 
you're so generous with all the resources that you have. You share it with us. God, your creation, you allow us to enjoy your creation. You allow us to enjoy one another. And especially, Lord, you allow us to enjoy you and your presence as we worship you, as we get in your word, as we pray to you, whenever it might be, God, wherever we're at, doesn't matter. You join us and you allow us to have a relationship with you because you are generous, because you gave. You gave of your son, but not just to, you didn't just give him, Lord. You had him be our sacrifice, our penalty of death he took on for us. God, right now, this morning, we just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving good gifts. That though life is hard, we know that you are good. For this morning, hopefully, God, returning us back to our first love, and that is you. And not living in the lie that you're against us, or you've forgotten us, or the world is too much. And how are we gonna do it, God? But we would remember that you are good. And those words of David in Psalm 119 weren't you were good or you will be good, but that you are good right now. Thank you for that, God. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking anything else. And thank you for just putting us right back on that path of your goodness. Thank you for your son, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, for being beaten and broken and bruised and spit on and mocked. You were alone, struggling for air, and you stayed that entire time. You stayed, Jesus. With just a word, you could have stopped it all, but you didn't because you're good and you're generous to the point of giving your life over to death for us. And so we take this bread and in doing so, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for the generosity of your own son's body and death for us. Let's take the bread. Father, we thank you, as we talked about earlier, for your mercies that are new every day, that you lavish on us, that you pour out on us, God, every time we come to you and say that we're sorry, every time we confess the things that we're struggling with, Lord, the mercies that you have over us, the comfort that you give us, it doesn't run dry because it's your blood. It's your blood that washes us and your blood is more than enough. Thank you for your blood that was shed so we can be made new every day. God, teach us even now, Lord, how to be quick to repent and not shy away from that, but receive the gift that you've given us of repentance as well. Thank you for giving us that, Lord. Thank you for your blood that was perfect. It was sinless. It was spotless. And that's what allows us to be made whole more than enough. Father, we take this cup saying thank you for the sacrifice of your son on the cross. In Jesus' name.
Psalms 100 verses 4 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We say thank you because God gives. Right? That's the natural response. When someone gives you something, we say thank you. And so it doesn't make any sense for us to say thank you if we don't know what, you know, if God didn't give us anything. But we enter his gates. We enter this, this place of worship with thanksgiving, saying thank you, God, for what you have given us and for what you always give us and what you continue to give us every single day. So as we close this morning, let's stand. And let's sing a song of gratitude this morning to our very generous, our very loving, our very, very, very good God. Amen.